welcome to another episode of Strong, Black, and Sad Sometimes. I am your host, Kayla Shea, and joining me today is Carrie Ann. Carrie Ann, go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, everyone. My name is Carrie Ann. I'm originally from the West Indies, but I currently live on the East Coast in the United States, and I'm 23 years old. And I would like to thank you for being on here today. I'm really excited about that. This is actually my first time having a guest. So, yeah. Oh, I'm the first guest. I feel I feel special. <laughs> <laughs> so today we will be discussing having the talk with family, but this isn't the talk that you had in middle school. This is the talk about mental illness. So without further ado, let's get started with this episode. Cool. So my first question is, have you had the talk with your family yet? And if so, how did it go? So I haven't had like just one huge talk. It was more like over the years, a series of small talks and like little outbursts of just confusion as to what was going on because I didn't really have the language and the resources to explain what was actually happening nor what I thought was happening. So it'd be like a lot of, I don't know, I'm just like, I just, I don't know, I don't know. You keep asking me what's wrong, but I, I don't have an answer. I don't know what's wrong, you know? Cause it's like, there's, there's an element of sadness to it yeah. sometimes, but at the same time, it's like being sad. And for example, being depressed are not the same thing. You can be right. sad in your depression, but depression doesn't necessarily show up as just sadness. So it's like, are you sad? Cause I don't know, your friend moved away. It's like, yeah, sure. But that's not what this is. I know what yeah. that is. That's one specific thing, but this, I don't know how to explain. So it was like a lot of little conversations like, yeah, I can't explain this. I'm sorry. I know it looks weird right now, but all I can say is, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I understand that completely. Um, I've noticed that when I'm having a depressive episode, usually someone will ask, well, what happened? And it's like, well, sometimes nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it just it just starts. And it's hard to explain what's going on when I get that way, um, which is why it's important to have those conversations. It's important to explain, you know, the symptoms and help them understand what exactly you're going through. But it is very difficult. Mm -hmm. So, I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say the difficulty part. It, it's also an added struggle when you're still a child. Mm -hmm. Because especially if you're really young, you're experiencing so many things for the first time. Yeah. So it's like you don't even have like the mindset to, okay, let me go back to the last time this happened. Cause maybe it's the first time. So people are asking you, well, what's happening? And you're like, look, <laughs> just like you're confused. I'm confused. So I think that's like an added element. If the person's like really young. Yeah, I agree. Cause I um, first started experiencing depression when I was in the eighth grade mm -hmm. and I really didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how to how to talk about it at all. Um, I actually went to see a therapist and I wasn't actually diagnosed then, but I think it's because I wasn't really articulating what was going on with me in therapy. I kind of just 
you know, I, I told her that I was having a lot of problems, but I didn't exactly know with what. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very difficult to articulate what's going on, especially when you're younger. Mm-hmm. I agree. So how did you expect the conversation to go when you had it and did it live up to your expectations? Well, <clears throat> I remember, so like I said, there were a lot of a lot of small ones, mm-hmm. but two two stick out in my mind. Uh, no, three, I think. The first one, in seventh grade, I remember there was like, I'm not sure what part of the school year it was, but I just remember that I was like stressed out and just crying. But the schoolwork was easy. <laughs> so it wasn't like, I was having problems with whatever the homework was that week. I was just like fine. And then I wasn't. Yeah. And my parents were like, whoa, (laughs) you were just like sitting down normally and now you're crying. And it's like, oh, did this happen? Did that happen? Did you argue with your friend? Did you, did you want to buy something and you couldn't buy it? You know, like all these like kind of surface level questions. And I'm like, no, no, none of that stuff is what happened. And I, it was frustrating because neither of us really knew what to say. Yeah. But I think I kind of expected that because I realized I didn't have the resources and coming from the Caribbean, a lot of people, especially people of my parents' generation wouldn't have had the resources either. And their parents wouldn't have been like, oh, well, it's it's possible you might, ha- you might have this disorder. They'd just be like, you need to pray or you need to go to sleep or you like go relax, you know? Yeah. It's just been like these like Band-Aid solutions instead of like figuring out what the actual issue is. So I expected to be frustrated, but it was still kind of sad to know that my expectations of frustration came out to be true because like yeah. as a child, you're just hoping your parent will just figure out what you're trying to say, but that's not always the case. So I definitely expected to be a little annoyed and I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can, I can totally see that. And I had those same expectations with talking to my mother um, I pretty much expected her to not understand, mm-hmm. but it wasn't because I was too young to articulate. It was just because my mother, she's not the most emotional person. Mm-hmm. Well, she's not really one to show her emotions. Um, so it was hard to to connect with her about that because she's tough, you know, mm-hmm. she's not the type to express all of that. But I think after a few conversations and a few giving her a few resources to read up on herself i think she started to understand mm. the those like online resources will help you so much because it's like a bullet point list of all the things you tried to say but you just like yeah couldn't <laughs> you couldn't say it as clearly as the article did um the second <clears throat> sorry the second Uh, I guess a bigger conversation was my senior year of high school and I was in something called Camerata, which is like a select choir. And Mm -hmm. so I remember, (laughs) I remember we were warming up and I'm like looking for my sheet music 
and I just start crying. And at first, it's just like my quiet tears under everyone else's singing because they didn't notice yet. Mm. But like, I couldn't stop myself and like hold it together. So eventually everyone noticed. And I was like, I'm not about to sit here and do this. I'm not. So I just ran out the room. Like I just left out the back and I, I know I just left out the back and I went to the front office and I was like, let me call my dad. And they were like, why? I was like, just let me call my dad. And I'm like, like sobbing. And there's like people walking past the office. And they're like, oh, are you okay? I'm like, don't even look at me right now. Like you did not see this at all. And so I called my dad and I went home. And I remember I was shaking and like on and off. I stayed home from class for a whole week and on and off throughout the week. Now I realized I was like having like really bad anxiety, but at the time I could not figure out what was wrong. And so at home, I'm like having like lots of anxiety, which makes sense. Cause I'm like preparing for college. All this stuff is happening. It was like heightening what had already been there. Yeah. Um, so I go online and I look it up look up like anxiety and like panic disorders and stuff like that and I remember reading through the symptoms and I was like well what do you know I think <laughs> I think I might have this I think I might have anxiety and I remember I was trying to talk to my dad and he listened but he kind of got the sense that I had this simply because of school And that as Mm -hmm. soon as I was done with like the common app or the ACT or whatever, I'd be fine. But in my head, I was like, I don't think that's what's going to happen. And I mean, as, as, as my dad, I could see that he would, he would want to believe that this was temporary. He would want to think, okay, she'll be done with this part of high school soon. Then it's on to, you know, finals week and graduation. Then it's on to college. Between that graduation and college, she'll figure it out, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that's not what ended up happening. So yeah. I, I I expected him to think that way because I just, like, briefly put myself into his shoes. Um, But, again, it's like I wish that, my parents already had some outside resources to get where I was trying to go with the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I completely understand that. Um, I think as a parent, you know, they want, they want it to only be temporary. Mm -hmm. They would not want their child to continue suffering basically. So I can see that my mom was that way too. I think she expected things to, you know, ease on up after, because eighth grade for me that was a big transitional year Mm -hmm. we had moved to a different house Mm -hmm. and I had to switch schools and leave my friends so I think she thought that it was going to it was going to be alleviated with time Mm -hmm. and in a way the issues with moving they did get better but the depression and the anxiety that still hasn't gone Mm -hmm. away so yeah I completely understand yeah and then The last big conversation, (laughs) the most recent one, is like in two parts. The first part is I was in my sophomore year. Yeah, my sophomore year of college. And I remember I had this class. um, It was like intermediate nonfiction. (laughs) And we met once a week in the evenings. 
um, no, once a week? Yeah, once a week in the evenings for like two and a half hours. And I remember I loved this class because I loved the readings that were picked. I love the writing assignments. And I love that I was like actually growing as a writer. So I enjoyed the class. I enjoyed the people in the class and the teacher. But I just could not go to this class. Like I could not drag my body in those doors and up those stairs to sit in there for two and a half hours because I knew if I went, I would start crying or I would just look so defeated that everyone else's mm -hmm. vibe would be thrown off. And I was like, that's not normal. And I can't finish college like that. This isn't going to work. So yeah. I remember the class started at six and at like, 6.40ish or 7 o'clock when I was like, okay, at this point, you're either going or you're not. <laughs> like, you need to make a decision. Decision. Yeah. I was like, it's already an hour gone. They're about to go on break anyway. What are you about to do? So I was outside the building and I just, I decided to call my parents. And my mother answered, they were in the car together. And my mother answered and I was like, can you put me on speakerphone? And she's like, okay. What, what was happening because I don't usually ask to be put on speakerphone because it's usually just oh how was your day you know um, yeah and so I told him I think I have I think I have depression like serious like a whole like a depressive disorder like not just today was a bad day like an ongoing problem a chronic issue and there was just like silence on the phone for like 10 seconds oh. and I was like hello hello and then my dad said, okay, you have my insurance. I'll send you the link for doctors that are in our network. And tomorrow you can look for some and then send me the links and I'll look at them also. And I, I felt like this whole rush of relief because I was like, okay, they didn't ask me to, to prove it. They didn't ask me to, yeah. well, how do you know today wasn't just a bad day? Like they didn't ask me to go out of my way to prove what I knew for myself. And I think the reason this conversation was different is because all the other small conversations led up to this one big moment of either I'm about to drop out of college because I'm not going to be able to graduate this way, or I need to try and figure this out with a professional. So yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that was a good response from him. Mm -hmm. That that really just made me happy because <laughs> I understand how important that was for you. Um, and that's that's one of those things to to question it would be detrimental to your mental mm -hmm. health, you know, because you would feel like you had to prove mm -hmm. yourself. But just to believe you off that, I know that was a great feeling. Oh, for it you. was. I think I started tearing up because like the day was already hard. And I would have been crying for like out of my frustration with not exactly understanding what was happening. But yeah. it was like now I was crying because I was like, okay, maybe somebody's in my corner in this. And that feels good. Yeah. And you said it was a two-part conversation. Oh, yeah. I did say that. Um, the second part was I realized, and the thing is, I haven't been like formally diagnosed for this part, but it's like sometimes if somebody else 
is going through something, you don't you 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 see it in them, but when it's you, you don't mm-hmm. realize it until like a long time later. Oh yeah. my god, my dog just barked. <laughs> okay, fine? um, you don't you don't you don't see it in yourself, but you see it in somebody else. And um, I realized that some stuff from my my childhood with moving to this country and like a whole bunch of other things left me with PTSD because Mm -hmm. some of my reactions to things, this wasn't like triggered by something that would cause just like regular anxiety. This was like a, I don't, I'm not sure how, I still not sure how to explain it out loud, but it's like, I could just tell that this was like something slightly different that wasn't just like my anxiety is just generalized. It could be triggered by anything. These triggers were specific and I could tell you who, what, when, and where these different things started and why certain parts of who I am now are the way they are. And I was like, that's PTSD. So uh, we were having lunch one weekend and part of my PTSD is like, related to food and like how I how I relate to food and like how much I eat and like how I feel as though like people are judging me for how much or how little I eat and like my weight and stuff like that so I remember we Mm -hmm. were eating and I just like put the fork down and I was like um I have something to say (laughs) and they were like okay what's going on because usually I mean I just eat and we just like chat but you don't announce stuff on a regular lunch day, you know? Um, yeah. So I was like talking about food and like different instances from when I was a child and a teenager that um, they would have been either around for or, you know, they know the people. So they're like, oh, this happened, that happened, blah, blah, blah. And ended up having a really good talk with my mother about it. And she said if she had been around for some of these um, instances, because I was like either with people my age or like family or family friends, she she might have been able to to notice it and like talk to me right then. But because it happened around people who weren't really looking out for how they talk to other people or for the things that they repeatedly mm-hmm. did to other people, it ended up you know being internalized and even though she couldn't just like take it away, it felt good to know that even though to some people PTSD is like, well, it's in the past, like just let it go, you know? She was like, I acknowledge that that's not how this works at all. So I felt really good to know that even though she couldn't have done anything back then because she wasn't there, she would make an effort from like that moment forward to to pick up on things when she noticed I was like uncomfortable or if I was like, Oh yeah, I don't want to eat. She'll be like, no, like don't deprive yourself of a meal. Don't do that to yourself. So that was kind of the part two. And I was a bit surprised because I think I got so used to being afraid of like older people not knowing how to handle stuff like this. I was kind of afraid that they wouldn't know what to do, but I think the part one kind of set them up for anything I might say in the future. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, that's part two. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like your parents seem very understanding. And I do think as time went by, they did kind of grow accustomed to being more and more mm-hmm. understanding. So I, I'm i really happy that that worked out for Thank you, you like that. I am too, because I was prepared to like go in my room and just cry. <laughs> if worse yeah. came to worse. So you kind of already answered my next question, which was if you had multiple diagnoses, did you tell them about? all at once did you tell them about them all at once or did you ease them into it and you kind of answered Mm -hmm. that but um a derivative question is how do you think it would have gone if you hadn't had those short conversations before and you just you know had that one big conversation how do you think that would have gone I honestly don't think that my parents and I would really talk to each other like that I don't think so at all because the way they responded when I was younger was kind of flippant. And there was like still a level of care to it that was stronger because I was a child. But now if as an adult, I just like threw this all on the table, I feel as though they may feel one, are we bad parents? Two, did we somehow like give our child these disorders and three we don't know how to diagnose these how do we know that she's right how do we know like what are we supposed to do like I don't think so because she she got through college she got a job like it couldn't have been like that bad because she graduated you know that's like the stereotype like well if you're doing okay it must be okay so I feel as though if they didn't have if we didn't have those little conversations and I didn't push them to expand their thinking and to go search online and to like talk to other people their age or maybe other parents. I don't think we talk as much because the frustration would be like on a different level after having dealt with it for so yeah. long by myself. Yeah. So Most I don't definitely. think, I don't think we'd get along as well <laughs> as we do. Yeah. I can understand that. I think, I think it would be the same way with my mom she already is um she can be a little dismissive of feeling sometimes and not mm-hmm. on purpose I think it's just how she's mm-hmm. used to being but I think if I didn't have short small conversations with her a long time the big conversation would have just been mm-hmm. a disaster honestly so yeah I think the that's a good way and this is just a tip for the listeners a good way to maybe ease your self into having that conversation is to have small shorter conversations maybe just a conversation about anxiety in general it doesn't have Mm. to be about your own maybe a conversation about depression in general Mm. when that can lead up to telling your family okay well you know remember when we Mm. talked about this well I think that's something that's Mm -hmm. impacting me definitely so yeah um yeah, it's, it is um, tough. And that leads into the next question. What do you think are some of the reasons people don't talk, don't talk to their family about mental illness? So, of course, you know, the main answer, at least um, within Black communities around the world, is like stigma. That's like the one word answer for everything. Stigma, stigma, stigma. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well what what stigma like break it down just a little bit more i think when you have people who are put in situations where 
they don't get to learn about different things in the way that maybe their counterparts of other ethnicities do. And then you add in the fact that you have to work so much more just to get a little bit less anyway. You don't necessarily have time to consider what is this cloud hanging over my head? You just pretend the cloud is not there. Like, I know older people in my family who just pretend there wasn't a cloud there or like there was never any rain. And like, sometimes I sit and I think, now why did they do that? And I think about how hard they had to work and maybe they never got to finish school, all these different things. And it's like, well, in their heads, it was just, you had to survive. Bad things happen and you just have to survive and that's it. They don't all, you don't always get to, to wonder about what could be, what could be managed for you to make your life easier so it's like the stigma is like if you can't just push through you're weak or if you can't just push through something's wrong with you um and I kind of had someone say that to me and I was like well funny thing there literally is something wrong with me that's the point like that's that is what I'm trying to tell you so you're trying to shove it in my face but I'm literally like here like yeah there's a problem that's what I'm trying to get at and there's also, you don't want people to tell you, oh, it's just all in your head. It's, it's just all in your head. Like, you don't want people to invalidate you. And it's, it's, it's like, instead of letting you invalidate me, I kind of just do it to myself. So that way I don't have to get disappointed twice. Yeah. Uh, I think those are, like, at least from what I've seen, the two biggest reasons. It's like, you just watch people survive and you're like okay well I guess I just gotta try and survive too and you don't wanna you don't wanna be the weak one in the friend group or the family or whatever the case may be so you're just like all right I you know what no I everybody 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 freaks out about this right like everybody everybody does this right like everybody feels like this right for for however long right I'm just it's fine it's chill like no 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 worries and you just kind of pack it in and invalidate yourself and that's the, I think I think those are two big reasons why most definitely I agree um I think the stigma around mental illness is a big factor because for black mm-hmm. Americans you know I think the ideal is we have been mm-hmm. through worse things mm-hmm. in our past so why mm-hmm. complain now I feel it's like the the common idea and also if you do have issues mm-hmm. you're weak because our ancestors have been through more and they were able to still achieve and they were able to survive so if you can't you know go through the things you're going through now and survive mm-hmm. it then you're weak and I think people are afraid to have those conversations and be vulnerable and say you know I'm not weak but sometimes mm-hmm. things get hard like, like, and I think like oh, you're go not ahead. weak. These, uh, these things happen. These issues happen to and are part of a lot of people. You're not the first person, yes. and you probably won't be the last person. You may feel weak, but it's just, it's just, it just is. Like it's not, it's not good, 
but it just is if that makes sense it just like yeah you didn't ask for it but it is so what are you going to do from here on out yeah exactly that's why I think having these conversations is so important because it helps to end the stigma it helps people to realize you know what Mm -hmm. I am feeling this way and I thought there was something wrong with me Mm -hmm. with just me but no this is something that a lot of people have an issue with and if we just keep talking about it and having these conversations more and more people will say you know what Mm -hmm. I do have depression or you know what Mm -hmm. I do have anxiety or you know what I do Mm -hmm. have PTSD and then they can go seek treatment from that point or do whatever you know they feel Mm -hmm. that they need to do definitely I that's why I I was excited to 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 come on this podcast too because like there are a lot of podcasts but somebody might click on this one and we're here talking yeah. about this and it could help them like you you can never you can never have enough good conversations about something there's always room to prod more and try to figure out what you need to make your life more ful- more fulfilling and more manageable day by day. Yeah. And that's the goal. I'm hoping that this podcast can really help some people um, maybe admit to themselves or maybe admit to others that there is, you know, a problem or something mm-hmm. that they need help with. And that just leads into our final question, which is, do you have any tips for someone who may be considering having the talk with Definitely. Their family? So I think if you're going to have the talk with your family, you need to practice. <laughs> you may think, oh, yeah. they're my relatives. Like, it's fine. Honestly, it's probably not. And <laughs> you need to practice because you could have the best of relationships with your family member, whoever it is you're talking to. Y'all could be really close, but when you get to the moment of saying whatever it is you're going to say, your nerves about possible consequences of being honest with somebody else, they could cause you to to, to clam up. And now you don't want to say anything. So now you done said, hey, I have something to say. And now y'all are just looking at each other and you don't want to say it. So definitely practice to make sure that you know what you're saying. And to make sure that you're also ready to let other people into what it is that you're feeling. You may not be able to, to, to go all the way to the core of whatever it is that, that you would want to say if you felt comfortable enough to just go there. But you could at least like start peeling back some layers. And I think, I think practicing yeah. will definitely help you be able to do that. I also think doing some some research and bringing a little bit of that research to the conversation will help because, for example, if you just say, well, I have PTSD. Sometimes people say, oh, you know, I have PTSD from, from math class. They Now, maybe they do, but also maybe they just don't like math. There's, there, people be like, oh, yeah. my God, I'm so depressed. Maybe they are, or maybe they're just annoyed today. That's not depression. That's just them being annoyed today. You know, so, or people will say, oh my God, I'm so bipolar. Like, no, you just can't make up your mind between two little things. That's not the same as bipolar disorder. Yeah. So bring a little research because you don't want to 
you you don't want to be invalidated, but you also don't want to not know how to explain the symptoms. And it could be difficult to just, well, yeah. well, um, sometimes I blah, blah, blah. You, you may not be able to to bring out the words from yourself. But if you have an article and you can say, well, I read this. And when we got to this part, I said, oh, that sounds like me when so and so and so. Now the people you're talking to have something to connect your story with. And um, especially if you're talking to family members who tend to disbelieve you or who maybe don't really believe in like mental illness or therapy or whatever the case may be, having that 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 article from a professional, whatever it is that you're bringing, it may be able to help you out. Those are my two biggest tips. And then my third one is just believe in what you're saying. Because if it's if it's so important to you that you finally build the courage to go and tell whoever it is and you don't even believe it yourself, even if they believe you, you're still going to be doubting because now you're not sure if you made the right decision by saying something out loud. Yeah. yeah and I mean, definitely. I've had friends. It's a little bit different because they're my friends, not not like blood relatives. But I've had friends who maybe I like open myself up a bit. And as I'm talking, it's like I don't even believe myself. And they respond and they're like, I understand you and I feel you. And I'm like, do you? Because I don't even know that I understand what I'm saying. So you need you, you it's difficult to do, especially depending on what, what yeah. the problem is. It's difficult to do, but like just for a moment, try to really believe in what you're saying and that it is possible for you to be able to allow people in your life to help you and to allow yourself to try and make your life more manageable. That's what I think. Yeah. I think those are some really good tips. And the only thing I want to add is to make sure you have some mm. specific examples and that can help with the, steer the conversation so if you can say you know I think I have depression and you know remember this time where I couldn't get out of bed for mm -hmm. five days straight and you had to mm -hmm. drag me into the shower having this specific thing for them to visualize or for them to think back to can help them to say wow you know that does sound like depression or wow, that did sound mm. like anxiety, you know, and it helps, it helps you to have a talking point so that you can know what exactly Definitely. what you're trying to say. And, and, you know, having an example, I think for me personally, it just really helped me to mm -hmm. believe myself and mm -hmm. to feel believed. That's good. I think, I think that's a really helpful point too. And it like goes along with the article. You have some examples from someone else that you can draw from and like then you can you can bring up your own personal examples like you were talking about so not only do you have other people you have yourself yeah. so even if you feel like maybe they won't believe my point they'll believe this person's point or if they don't believe this person maybe they'll believe me now you have two you have two options at your yeah. disposal yeah exactly so that was i feel like that was a really good 
that, that was a really good conversation we just had, which brings us to the end of this episode. And I hope the listeners got something out of this and I hope it made a difference for them. Um, thank you guys for listening and thank you so much to our guest, Carrie Ann, for having us, for joining us today. Um, do you have any social media? The listeners yep, can follow they can you follow on? me on Instagram at underscore KL Rogers. That's underscore K-L-R-O-G-E-R-S. And on there, I have um, a link tree, which will link you to anything I have going on, um, any poetry, videos, whatever the case may be. You can find it all on my Instagram. So that's what I want to plug. <laughs> Okay, and you guys be sure to follow her on social media. That is actually our call of action today. And of course, as always, have a great week. Thank you so much. Thank you.